So we are doing our first special guest episode leading up to demand with Devin Reed today. I'll keep Devin's intro short and sweet. He doesn't really need an intro these days. He works at a little company called Gong. You've probably heard of them by now. And I'm pumped to record this episode for two reasons. One, the topic is awesome. Treating LinkedIn as a publishing platform versus a promotional platform. And two, when Devin and I were riffing on it, he asked how spicy he could get. So this should be a good one. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. Alrighty, if the uh, green room that we just had right now for this was any indicator of how fun this should be, uh, I am pretty excited about this one. Good to have you, Devin. What up, Mark? Appreciate you having me. I am uh, I'm honored. I didn't know I was the first guest speaker on the show. So if, if you never have a guest speaker again after this, we know I tanked it, bombed, and uh, I apologize to all future the, potential speakers. <laughs> the best guest uh, and worst that we've had so far. No, I'm kidding. It's the only guest, so <laughs> can't be either. So- uh, I'm really excited about this one because the topic, I think, uh, when you and I were going back and forth and what we wanted to talk about, I think this was really one of the first ones that came to mind. So, uh, I don't think we really need to get into, you know, the benefits of posting on LinkedIn, you know, your audience and our audience, you know, lives on LinkedIn. So this isn't the podcast for that. Uh, but I think for people as in like creators and, you know, personal brands and companies that do post on LinkedIn, how do you see them using LinkedIn right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I would say it's definitely getting better. It's definitely getting better. I think like my feed, your feed, maybe you agree, people listening, like the feed's gotten better. Um, to be fair and honest, it was started pretty bad though, for, you know, kind of being honest. Like I started on LinkedIn like three, three and a half years ago, like seriously posting. I, I dabbled, but uh, really got into it was like three years ago. And for folks who do or don't remember, it was like two types of posts mainly. It was like, Hey, come sign up for our webinar. Here's a super polished banner uh, with three heads, a time, and a decent title. Uh, or it was, we're hiring. And it's like, come join our team. And that was majority of what it was. There was no individual creator, creator economy, uh, personal brands. None of that stuff uh, existed. And so it was pretty, pretty meh. Uh, for a while, but it's get, it's getting better, right? Because I would say one of two reasons. One is that the individual creator is rising, right? You got people who are really dedicated to their craft, sharing informative information. Some entertainment stuff is is making its way from TikTok over, which I like, more video content. So I think that's where, honestly, probably 98% of the great content on LinkedIn is coming from the individuals. And then companies are starting to understand the value of oh, LinkedIn isn't just for webinars and hiring. It actually can be a marketing channel or a publication channel, which I know we'll get into. So they're starting to invest in uh, content marketers who know what they're doing and can actually dedicate resources and, and such to, uh, to LinkedIn. So I think it's getting, it is definitely getting better. So before we get into this whole publishing versus promotion you know, side of the, the episode, when you first started posting, did you go in knowing that, hey, I don't want to do what everything else or everyone else is doing right now and, you know, I want to try something different or kind of how did this click for you? It wasn't intentional at first because what I was doing was like going on LinkedIn. I was a sales rep at, at the time and I would just go on LinkedIn like kind of just talking about my day or my experience or like some dumb joke that I thought was funny. Like, you know, I'd be like, hey, I just got done with an hour of cold calling. Anybody else get hung up on three times in a row? Or, uh, you know, I don't know what's more frustrating, losing your headphones or losing a deal, right? Like just these like random things. I wasn't really providing value other than maybe like a laugh. 
but it it caught like at the time like 30 40 likes when you're not really you know have no uh you know following or anything it was like a lot and i was like wow that's more than the two or three i'm getting when i'm sharing a company blog or some corporate update and so i thought maybe there's like an appetite right to like for this type of content which to your point is different so i kind of fell into it that way uh folks that know me you know Definitely not run of the mill. I've got for if you don't know if we'll see this on video. I've got a flamingo behind me with sneakers. I have tattoos. Oh, we've like, we've got it on video. So, okay, uh, you so got a dope like, t shirt on too. So they'll see that. Appreciate that. Appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah. So you know, I do. I do like, but like, and it stemmed from that. Like, I like to be different because I know that you need to capture attention right before anything else. So like, I, you know, I've, I've been saying you need to capture mind share before you can capture market share. So that means how can I be different? How can I add value? How can we carve out our little niche on LinkedIn or in the world so people know where to go to for content strategy, you know, demand, how to, how to truly build demand in a modern era for you all and so on and so forth. So I wouldn't say like from, from the jump, I knew I was going to be different, but ever since then I've like really set into that groove and it's, and it's worked really well for me and for some of the other uh, B2B content strategies I've helped, I've helped build. I dig it. So let's get into kind of the the lesson for this. So, you know, treating LinkedIn as a publishing platform versus a promotional platform. Let's uncover that a little bit and kind of explain in your eyes what yeah. publishing versus promotion means on LinkedIn. So the way I think about it, and, and this applies to email as well. So I think of like LinkedIn and email both have this quality, which is why I always include them in content strategy builds is you can both publish content and promote content via LinkedIn. In other words, I can provide value to you. I can publish something on the feed. So you're scrolling through your feed. I can, you know, get you with something good, right? Gets likes, gets engagements, right? Gets following, that sort of thing. Builds credibility. The promotional aspect is I can also use it to tell you about other channels, other projects that I have going on. So I can tell you, hey, I have a newsletter. Hey, I have a podcast. And I can grow my other channels or I can tell you corporate updates, right? I have, I have open posts. We have this big event uh, and drive registration and action that way, right? So there's just two different ways. At the risk of jumping ahead, the problem is that most company pages lean way heavier on the promotional side of things instead of the publication side of things. But the reason why that's a mistake is you have to earn that trust. You have to build trust and credibility over multiple posts over time, right? And so... When you do that, that's how you build an audience. It's how you build a following. It's how you build that trust. So then when you promote your webinar, hundreds or thousands of people sign up versus consider it the opposite, which is even, and, and I think of this as like starting from scratch, but there's pages with hundreds of thousands of followers that get 0. 0.0001 engagement because they follow this strategy, which is, hey, we have these goals. We need to get people to register. We want to get the whole world to know about our company, how great our product features are. So they just promote the shit out of themselves on this channel, but they haven't earned any right. They have no following. No one's listening and therefore no one's acting. Then it's unsuccessful and they go, well, I guess LinkedIn doesn't work. I laugh because so many people think about it that way. And I think I've learned it from you. I've learned it from Dave Gerhardt, but when you consistently lead with value and mm -hmm. occasionally weave in some sort of promotional post, whether it's for an event or whatever it may be, yeah. Then you've given away so much that people are like, well, yeah, I'm going to sign up for whatever Devin's pushing out there or whatever Mark's pushing out there. So it actually works really well. It just takes some time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what I want to do is I want to get into like three different angles of this. So there's, you know, Devin, the, the creator, 
there's Gong, the company, and there's Gong, the company with employees. And we'll kind of run through each. Yeah. So uh, let's start with Devin, the creator first. So I was just reading as I was putting this outline together. I always read them, but you're content strategy reader. And it was pretty timely because what you had sent out this past Saturday was pretty close to what we were talking about yeah. uh, on this podcast. So it was pretty awesome. So uh, for you personally, you know, how do you use LinkedIn as a publishing platform? And think about, you know, all the people out there who are listening to this for the first time and are like publishing platform, like what is a publishing platform? How do I use yeah. LinkedIn as a publishing platform? Yeah, so uh, publishing platform just means you're, creating and publishing content on this place, right? People, it, yeah, the, the vernacular is different, but it's what we all are, are used to. So I use it to, you know, I don't really think of it in my head as building a personal brand. I just can't think of a better phrase. So I, I, just, I, so hate, all, I hate that term. So I, I cringed when I said personal brand. So just we're on the same page. <laughs> and I've, you know what? I've, I'm trying to recoin thought leader and personal brand. And when I come up with it, I'll come back on the show, even if for 30 <laughs> seconds, tell you what I got and I'll leave. <laughs> But Sold. I can't think of anything better. It's just the baseline. So we all know what I'm talking about. But the way I honestly view the the personal brand thing is it's your reputation. I want a reputation as the leader in B2B content strategy, right? And that means I need to publish content to build credibility, share knowledge, and, and help people understand what it is, why it's impactful, and how to do it. So that's like my number one goal. If you want to go into why, it's going to open up career opportunities for me now and in the future paid and also just like cool things like meeting Mark, right? Like cool stuff. Eh, so I would say cool, but yes, that, that helped. <laughs> Cool-ish people like Mark <laughs> there we go. other way cooler people. Yeah. So, <laughs> Much um, better. So that's how I do it, right? So like, that's why I'm like constantly publishing. I also enjoy the act of writing. So it's enjoyable. I get a benefit. The other things are like, I'm trying to grow my newsletter, right? I've got 5,000 subscribers. I'm trying to continue to grow that. So I can use that as the promotional uh, part of it as well. Uh, and then I'm trying to monetize. So I've got, you know, I've got information product I sell. I've got a course, right? I do a little bit of consulting on sites. I have a full-time job. But like, if I'm looking at why I'm publishing on LinkedIn, it's not for likes and it's not for followers because that is a good early indicator that it's working. But you're not going to get paid. You're not really going to change your career on those, those stats. Um, so I'm trying to do those, you know, those aforementioned things, which is, you know, establish myself as a leader of, of uh, B2B content strategy, grows my, grow my newsletter uh, and monetize it a little bit. But like the thread between all of that is helping people. I have to help people, teach them things and make, help their lives be better, easier, what have you. Then all those other things fall into place. So amazing. We already kind of touched on setting goals and like what you're looking to get out of this. As far as content planning goes, and if we think back to that visual that you had in your um, email this past weekend, how do you like come up with ideas for the the types of posts? You know, you've got your weekly schedule. You know, you're going to do this on this day. You know, I assume it's a lot of testing and learning. Like for people who are trying to get started, yeah. What would you recommend? Yeah. So uh, funny enough, this is not planned. That's exactly what this week's newsletter is all about. I just finished writing it last night. Um, because I'm going in kind of a flow. So the flow you're asking is this flow, like this four part series that I'm working on. And so by the time this, you know, maybe drop in the show links, if people want to check it out, um, uh, to see we it will definitely, but we will definitely promote it. The way I think about it is like everybody has highly valuable, highly specialized knowledge in their head right now. There's multiple ways you can call it. I call it niche knowledge, right? You've heard of niching down, find your niche. That's, so I'm not trying to be like the most unique human being in the world, but I think niche knowledge is like how I tell people, how you can, you know, create content and build an audience. So what I mean is 
there's like, uh, I hang out with like SDRs and like entry level folks sometimes. Right. And they're like, Oh, like I'm not an expert. I've only been in the game, you know, the sales game for two years, two months. What do I have to share? Well, let's look back. And I use a two part framework, super simple. I love fill in the blanks. You have your skill statements. I know how to interview at a B2B company or you have your outcome statements. I know how to land a B2B job within that you have a bunch of information that you can break down, right? So you could say, what, you know, insight, what did you learn along the way? I learned that interviewing has nothing to do with X. It has everything to do with Y. Great. There you go. What about a guide? What was the exact steps you took to prep for that interview? One, two, three, four, five, share that, right? What perspective has changed? I used to think this, right? I think it's kind of similar to insight, but you know what I mean? What did I learn? What would I now view as different? Um, and there's a couple other ones as well that I use. So I say, write a huge list of all your skill statements and your outcome statements. And there's probably, there's tons, there's dozens, if not hundreds, write all that out. Okay. Now look at the buckets that naturally form for me, B2B content strategy, high level, what, why frameworks. Number two, sales tactics used to be a sales rep. I know how to get deals closed. I can, I can teach people that as well. Third one is content tips how to write, how to create a webinar, stuff like that. So I have like these three buckets. Then you just align it to your audience. Who cares about these three things? For me, B2B content creators, pretty straightforward, right? So if you follow that process, and I'll pause here in a second, you actually have tons to talk about. You're actually very credible. We just often think you need 10,000 hours of experience, because Malcolm Gladwell, I think, <laughs> or I need to be a VP at a company before people will listen to me. But I've seen people create great content and build a really fast following simply by sharing their journey, entering B2B or, Hey, it's my first time as a VP or, Hey, you know, I'm just learning how to launch a podcast. Come, come along and join the journey. Here's what I'm learning. So I love the, uh, the framework and then really the, the sharing the journey bit that you mentioned there at the end, because I think so many people to your point think that, you know, who am I? I really don't have a, you know, uh, an interesting enough POV to, to share in public. And it's, really not the case. Like we all started somewhere and people sit on way more like ideas and content and just perspective. And yeah. I think they realize it first and they just got to get over that initial hump. Dude, absolutely. Um, there's this, this concept called, uh, L seven from, um, Oh, I'm dropping the name. It's the guy who wrote the big short. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about, but I'm going to remember the name like 10 minutes after we're done recording. It's you will too, works. and that's driving me crazy that I, <laughs> I didn't plan on referencing it, but it came up. Um, hopefully I remember it. It's going to drive me absolutely crazy. He's very famous. He's one of my favorite authors. I'm getting mm. stage fright. So uh, <laughs> his recent podcast, Michael Lewis, boom. Michael Lewis has a podcast called Against the Rules, and this season he talked about experts and expertise. And he said that what they found was in a big organization – L7s or level sevens are the people who have the deepest expertise, but they're often the furthest away from the CEO. So think of it, CEO, VP, all, all the way down to like SDRs, entry-level specialist managers. They actually have some of the most specialized, valuable knowledge to the company because I don't know when a website crashes or if, you know, a phishing PH incident happens, CEO doesn't know what to do. VPs hardly know what to do. Directors in big companies haven't touched, you know, the work in years. So they go down to these people and go, hey, how do we solve this problem? What do we do? And those people actually have some of the most valuable information. And so that was kind of part of like this framework as I was building it. I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And it also empowers 
the majority of people, because there's only one CEO at a company, there's only a handful of VPs, but there's so many people at these L7s or L6s that have a ton of information. All right. So I love that. We're going to come back to that in a little bit here so we don't cheat too far ahead, but uh, I'm definitely going to read up on that. So you mentioned uh, to a degree measurement and leading indicators and, you know, whether people are uh, being asked to measure the impact of what they're doing or they're taking it upon themselves to measure the impact of what they're doing. This doesn't happen overnight. So what are some of those leading indicators that you, you when you were first getting started, you had in mind or you'd recommend to others who are just getting started? Yeah. So, um, on LinkedIn specifically, you're looking for like, you do need to start with engagement, but engagement isn't the end all right. So for me, if I, you know, getting started or today, if I post something, are people reacting to it? Are they commenting or are they sharing? But reverse order is actually the most valuable. The best thing you can hope for is someone shares your content, reposts it, creates their own content and cites you as like the inspiration because of the law of association right? If I go on LinkedIn and go, I just had the best time with Mark and I was on this podcast. It was awesome. That's because I'm proud to be associated with you. I think I'm going to look smarter, cooler. Well, not with you, but so on. You're kidding. <laughs> but you get the oh, idea, I love right? this. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sorry for the jab. It was right. No, there. no, no. It's encouraged. Uh, I have, uh, that's how I roll. So we're good. <laughs> or, or commenting, right? Is like, Hey, this is fantastic. Or I don't agree and here's why. Now you have a conversation, right? And so commenting is the next best thing because they're talking to you. Reacting is obviously just agreeing with it. And there's nothing, I mean, reactions are great. We all love that, right? So that's early indicators. Then if you think of like a little, still early, but moving on is like, are you getting more impressions on your content? You should because of the four, you know, the previously mentioned things are, then you should get more impressions. The real like kind of like medium indicators, like followers and like, um, impressions on your page, whether that's your B2B page or your personal page or like our website. Cause now you're actually turning that engagement into something meaningful, which is like, you know, a place you can convert them. And then the things I'm looking for, like, so for me personally, where, what are my strategic goals that I can measure is revenue and subscribers. So are those things going up? Are people signing up for my my newsletter? Are people going to my website and wanting to talk to me? Are they buying my inform you know my information product, my my LinkedIn course? So that's like the that's the end. That's the lagging for B two B companies. It's similar, but it's like content downloads, webinar registrations, MQLs, pipeline sourced, SAOs, sales accepted opportunities, pipeline influence, right? But again, those things take much longer for B two B because B two B takes longer and it's a longer process. So we'll get into Gong as a company here in a second, but uh, I want to kind of get you on your soapbox and let you be spicy here for a little bit. So I get so tired of the the echo chamber and the people gaming the algorithm and all that stuff when you just see the same regurgitated takes that really aren't takes at the end of the day. So how, like, what do you feel about all that? Does it, you know, kill you as much as it kills me? Like, uh, uh, just get on your soapbox. Uh, you know, man, I... I'm, I'm like, so I'm liberal, not in the, in the, in the political way. I'm just like, you, you do you, I'm going to do me and it's all good. But like, it does, it, it, the thing that irritates me is this, and here's an example. It's probably, I don't know if it's a good one, but like, have you seen on LinkedIn or anywhere like the, this screenshot of like a mom calling you and a dad calling you? Yes. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, the, the caption's always the same because just, someone's just copying it. But it's like, hey, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have this, on your home screen, take advantage. You never know when you're going to lose people. Okay. I saw this last night scrolling and I got pissed because I had, I got 80,000 views 
or likes, 80,000 likes, excuse me, thousands of comments. This is what, this didn't what was upset me yet, but I was like, this is not new. The guy posted like hours before I'm like, this is not new. And I highly doubt this is the guy that created this the very first time. Cause I've seen it years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was upset because I'm like, you're, you're just, just stabbing me right in the heart with emotion. Luckily I have both my parents. I looked at the comments, a lot of tear jerks, a lot of tear jerker, tear jerking happening, not jerks. But what, what pissed me off, Mark, was I clicked the guy's profile and he's a LinkedIn expert. He's got a business teaching people how to get oh followers, how to God. build a business on LinkedIn. And I looked through his content and he's literally plagiarizing, not even like other people's work, like pop culture things and just high, you know, high propensity to be reacted to emotional stuff. And then he's turning around saying like, this is how you do it. So that, that like, that irked me a lot. Because one, it makes our job harder, me and you as like true marketers who are actually trying to come up with frameworks and ideas. And even if it's not brand new, but building on someone else's thing and trying to help people. And then I see that where you're like capitalizing on other people's work so blatantly like that, that pissed me off. Um, That doesn't happen a lot, but, or maybe it happens a lot more than I see it. And I just, you know, like I said, I kind of curate my feed and where I spend my attention pretty intentionally. Yeah, that kills me. I have no problem sharing other people's stuff as long as you're giving credit where credit is due. Yeah. I come across it a fair amount. I saw somebody just get completely raked over the coals uh, a couple of weeks ago with passing off templates and whatnot as their own. And uh, yeah. I do like when the the internet and LinkedIn comes together <laughs> for like a good reason and just completely yeah. exposes somebody. So I, I do have <laughs> faith in humanity when that happens. But yeah, it's just... Yeah. The it's, it's hard to come up with good original shit. And when you do, and it gets taken from you and passed off as somebody else's like, yeah, that kills me inside. Well, here's a quick thing for folks. So if you're hearing this and you're like, well, shit, I don't know if I have anything new to say. And like, am I being plagiarized? I don't want Devin and Mark to be mad at me. There's no shame in calling out that you're referencing somebody. I think it's the opposite. Like there's a whole play of being a content curator. Tim Ferriss has very rare new ideas of his own. His whole career is built on interviewing smart people, taking, not taking their ideas, but, you know, sharing their ideas, amplifying them. And then he'll add commentary. Hey, I, Hey, I talked to Mark. He did this weird diet. I said, okay, I'll do it for 30 days. Here's my experience. There's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. That's commentary. That's curation. And I did it a second ago with Michael Lewis. I would, I would not sleep well tonight if I was like, yeah, I came up with this L7 thing. I did some research and like in the back of my head, I know I just sniped it from like a very well-known person or even a not well-known person. Um, so it's okay. Like you said, like sight people makes you, to me, it makes you seem like a student of the game. Hey, I was reading this thing about Dave Gerhardt and then I talked to Devin Reed and then I was talking to Mark and I came up with this newish type of thing. What do you think? You don't have to take ideas to try to be like overly authoritative or like smarter than you are. It's really not, not that serious. No, I couldn't agree more. So already let's move on to the next section. Cause I think uh, us included, everybody looks at gong as kind of the gold standard. And we know that, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. So from gong and the company page on LinkedIn, kind of walk me through the journey of that LinkedIn page, moving from kind of a, a promotional uh, platform to more of a publishing platform. Like I, yeah. Gong is one of the few pages and I follow a bunch of them where I genuinely look forward to everything that you guys are posting because it's different. And I know there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of intent behind that. And that did not happen probably right out of the gate. Yeah, no, it didn't. I appreciate that too, by the way. I don't, I don't take any following for granted these days. There's so much good content out there. Like I I appreciate that. Um, I'll start with this. I had a rule for the first year that I ran the LinkedIn page. We're not talking about product. 
Not I, one I post love that. was about I absolutely love that. And I did it for most of our content in general because I was trying to build top of funnel awareness. Like, again, this was three years ago. No one knew what conversation intelligence or gong really was. So I'm like, we're not talking about product for a year. Uh, it was actually maybe longer than that, but I was like committed myself to like a year. And we're just going to just gonna provide the best and most differentiated sales content on the planet. So like my, our mission was to create the most engaging sales content on the internet. That was our goal. Not tell people what Gong does, not get sales, not even get leads, though that happened and it happened later. It was how can every day, Monday through Friday, we publish one thing to make people better at sales? That was it. That was the mission. That's all we did. So we looked at old content, we repurposed it. We looked at old content that was written, made it into video, vice versa, right? And so we just, we just did that consistently for, I mean, until today, candidly, we've, we've, we've gotten bigger and now we have other things we need to talk about that are on the more corporate side, but we balanced that out, right? Like I refuse to give up the keys to like, you know, just corporate updates or, you know, all about gong or a product. There's a time and a place for that, but I think we've earned that now. Like Mm -hmm. after three years of like continuing giving value, I hope I can talk about our product a little bit, but again, I try to make it about the reader, not, Hey, here's our new feature that we just made because we're so good. And you know, that, that type of language. So that's kind of the first thing I'll pause there. And I got another, another idea. Uh, I dig it. So I guess in follow up to that, uh, because I know people who are going to be listening to this are wondering, all right, well, how do I get, you know, my boss or the leadership team on board with that? Do you remember yeah. what you had to do to kind of make that case? <laughs> I work for uh, Udi Lettergore, who if anyone knows Udi, he's a big brand guy, go big, like he's go big or like go big. There's no go big or go home. He's like, you go big or you go bigger. Um, so I didn't have to, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I know I got lucky there. Our CMO gets branding content. Our CEO used to be a CMO. So it was more of like, how fast can you grow? Like that was really more of the challenge. But I do talk to other marketers, work with other marketers that have that challenge of like, how do I level set this? And so I think it's one is like setting expectations. If you're building an organic strategy or audience, slow. Now there's things you can do, obviously high quality content, great distribution. It's still not fast. I don't think anyone would say it's fast. Um, And so then there's like the urge, like, well, why don't we just do paid? Why don't we just double down in like digital marketing and get demos that way? The answer is both. The answer is both. The answer is this is anyone, uh, let's call it with, I don't, don't, don't skew me for <laughs> using intent and buying buyer data, but like, no. And middle funnel. I always love middle funnel, bottom funnel. There's no such thing as a funnel, by the way. It's only just for us for planning purposes. <laughs> we no should one. do an episode on that. Cause I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I tell, I, I present my funnel and like this plan every like quarter. And I'm like, just before I dive into this fully aware, this doesn't even exist in real life. Like this is, <laughs> um, so, but like, so digital is an outlet, right? That's a distribution to do highly targeted, uh, you know, content distribution, but you pay for that targeting. It's very expensive. And so anyone that's showing intent, I'm air quoting intent, right? Hit them up with that. But most people aren't buying today. They're not in a buying cycle. They have no need. And so I would, I would position it as this organic content. You're going to inform and educate the market with who you are, what you're about and build credibility along the way. So for Gong, for example, Mark, you know, let's say you're in like a revenue meeting and someone's like, Hey, we really need to get better. You know, we need to get closer to our market. We need customer voice. Like how can we get closer to the customer or VP of sales says we got to get better at coaching. We need something to get better at sales coaching. Right. I want someone to say, Hey, have you checked out Gong? 
Oh, no, I haven't. What is it? Or, oh, yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, Gong's awesome. We got to check it out. Have you used it? No, I just really like their content. We've already, we haven't won the deal, but we have a huge leg up against any competitor because you're going to go to our website first. We get to inform you first in the sales process. And a lot of times if you hit that first stage, right, they don't, no one wants to go look at competition, right? So that's the way I kind of position it. And sometimes you can track it. Sometimes you're going to find that. Sometimes it's the whole dark funnel, dark social thing. I don't want to talk about that today, but, <laughs> but that's how I position it. Like you are going to win mindshare now. So you can win again, that market share later when the timing's right. And then again, you can use, you know, retargeting and all the, the tr good traditional stuff to, to get them there. So in the last part, we talked a little bit about measurement and I don't want to go completely off the rails and just talk sure. about measurement for the rest of this. But what are some of those leading indicators that, you know, you know, you're on the right path for your company page? Are they similar to what you mentioned for your own profile? Yeah. Like kind of walk me through that. Cause we personally at metadata, you know, we're, we'll be where you guys are hopefully a couple of years from now, but uh, we are, are, we feel like we're on the cusp because we're hearing some of those mentions coming up from prospects yep. and it's like, Hey, I've been following you guys for a while and you know, I'm finally yeah. here, but kind of walk me through what you guys are looking for. Yeah. So um, this like content strategy flywheel that I, that I've created, like one of the four steps is observe. And so observe is the first thing is the dashboard. And I start there because that's what everyone wants to look at point to and say, we did it. Let's invest. Mark knows what he's doing. And so it's all the things I had mentioned prior, right? So in, so I would say like um, in app, i.e. the LinkedIn platform reactions, impressions, are people going to our company page? You can track that. Um, as well as then you get to like website traffic. Are we getting website traffic from this? That's a great one to look at because it means you're getting the right people interested, right? Um, and then you go into all the things I mentioned, content downloads, webinar signups, MQLs, SQLs, pipeline, et cetera. So those are kind of like the flow that I look for there. But the other side is what you just talked about, which is like the kind of not untrackable, but like it doesn't show up on a dashboard, which is you start getting people are commenting to you, talking to you, talking to you as a brand back to your content. They're making, you know, these listicles that go around, hey, I follow these 10 marketers and these five companies that are doing it right. When you start getting listed in those and tagged in those, that's really good anecdotal evidence. And then the last one, of course, and I, I do this all the time in Gong, for Gong is like, you know, we had a webinar today. I'm going to go in there and look for calls where people say webinar. I want to hear if people are talking about our content to your point. Hey, I follow Devin or, Hey, I follow Sarah Brazier. And I just wanted to see what you guys are up to. Mm -hmm. Think of, think of like what leg up that is just enabling your people and your content to do the marketing for you. And people come in and go, I don't really know what you do, but I like it. And I want to learn more, right? Like how cool is that before, you know, other than just the, you know, dead cold leads that are out there and we try to go, uh, so you go to the expensive outbound route. All right. So that is a perfect segue into the the final part of this episode, which is, you know, employees and, you know, call it, yep. you know, the personal brand, which you and I both do not like, uh, but getting your employees out there and really humanizing the brand. So people get to feel like they know, you know, Devin, despite never having talked to him before and they follow yep. you long enough that, you know, when the time comes and they're ready for, something like Gong, well, it's like, I already know who Devin is. I'm not going to go look at any other competition. There is so much that goes into that. And it, if only yeah. it were that easy, everyone would be doing it. But <laughs> there are, you know, I, I'd say we're, you know, starting to hit our stride here at Metadata. You guys, again, are the gold standard for that. So from an employee perspective, you know, without giving away the secret sauce, how do you just get 
people to start doing that, to want to do that, to ingrain that in part of your culture. Like you guys set the bar for everybody that, that looks up to it. I appreciate that, man. And, and you, you, y'all are doing a good job. Like I actually follow and I'm sure you've seen me comment on stuff and, and, and some of your employees as well, who I don't know personally, but I, you know, I comment back. Yep. I feel like I know metadata. That's a good, like completely untraceable thing. But like, I feel like I know this team that exists and is doing cool shit. Um, and I, I like it that. right so back, back to association. So, um, you know, think about like, if you're unsure why, cause I've heard this objection of like, well, if my people have big brands and they're out there, then competitors will come and snipe them. Right. So to kind of like inverse that there's a story I heard, uh, I was talking to this gal who's leading marketing and she's like, our CEO doesn't want anybody to have a personal brand. Doesn't want anybody to post on LinkedIn. And I said, okay, why? Uh, and she continued to explain to me that their business is consultants. Like they're, they're experts in this field but he doesn't want the field to know he has the best experts because then they would they would leave. And I'm like, think of it the opposite way. What if the entire market knew this company had the best insights, thought leaders, people, expertise, whatever, like inbound would be crazy. Like you wouldn't even have to do outbound marketing to the extent you're doing it today, it would just happen. And so view it as like, you can view your employees as a channel. You can view them as a channel, but you have to do it right because it's a give, if it's a give get, and just like what we've been talking about before, you have to give first. So uh, at Gong, what I'm going to explain was built and compounded over time. And I hate that this framework has three E's because it makes it sound so marketing, <laughs> but I was writing it out. I'm like, damn it. They all start with an E. Uh, so it's, it's, you got to educate, <clears throat> empower and equip. Okay. So educate. Everyone that starts at Gong has two sessions as part of their whole onboarding. One's with our CMO. It's our marketing strategy. Here's what we do, why we do it. He primes them with, hey, we have this monthly Gong Labs research study. Devin Reed writes it. He's going to ask you to engage the morning it goes live. Completely optional. Here's why it's important. Okay, cool. Sounds good. A lot of people already kind of know who I am, this whole marketing thing. So they're like, no, it's not brand new. Then there's another session that I set up with my, I used to run it. Now I have my team run it, which is, Hey, here's how to use LinkedIn general best practices all about you. If you want to build an audience or just post and not embarrass yourself. Cause that actually isn't, you know, people are kind of worried about that sometimes. Um, here's kind of just like general guidelines. So it's complete give like priming and then I'm giving. Right. So now everyone goes into their day job and they know gongs on LinkedIn and why and how. Um, then you get to empower. This one's a little trickier for most companies because empowering is, well, I'm nervous to post because my boss doesn't post. Our CEO isn't active. No one really is active. Like I'm kind of afraid to be the first person and get judged. Um, so we, you know, but our, our senior leadership leads by example, some post often, some post once in a while, but they're all proponents of their employees posting. You know what I mean? No one's against it. And so that like opens up the, um, you know, potential objections or the kind of block, you know, blockage of preventing people from doing it. Um, and the last one is equip. And that's why, where it goes back to that kind of training. And we do some like kind of ad hoc ones. I want to get more programmatic about it, but we'll do ad hoc trainings of kind of like, Hey, it's been a few months. Like if you want to get some LinkedIn training, here it is. And I'll jump on and, and teach people the ins and outs. But when it comes for the ask, that, hey, we have a funding announcement or a Gong Labs or this big partnership and we really want to activate our employees. That's what we call it. We call it Gongster activation. Uh, you can call it employee activation. But what we do is there's kind of a three-pronged approach. One, we have a one-page Google Doc. 
Here's what the announcement is. Here's why it's super important. Here's why we need your help. Three prompts. First one is like fill in the blanks. Second one is copy and paste. Third one is like a real prompt where you can kind of go nuts and do your own thing. Images and video, if and when uh, applicable. So then when you get the ask for prong two or three, which is via email and via Slack, like in a group channel at mm -hmm. here, here's this doc. So you're like, oh, cool. We have a partnership. I had no idea. Click the doc. Oh, cool. I can copy and paste. It's like a 30 to 60 second process. Boom. They post and we're off to the races. So now we get, imagine if a hundred people do that. And imagine on a low end, you get 2000 organic free views per person. So you're getting thousands of marketing impressions for free. And again, you, then you just do this over and over and over. You get to the point where I said to you, Mark, to start, it was like, I feel like I know that company. Feels like a really cool place to work. Hey, I actually don't just want to buy a gun. Maybe I want to go work there too. Yeah, it's, it's funny because we, you know, again, we look up to what you guys are doing and we feel like we're, you know, in the second or third inning of uh, a longer nine inning game. But uh, we had a call, I'm not going to say who it was with, but it was a fairly big, you know, I think a series C company and their VP of marketing came on and it was our sales rep that owned the account and the VP of marketing and the VP of marketing said, well, wait, where's Mark, Jason and, and Justin and others. And the, the rep was like, yeah. what? She's like, I feel like <laughs> I know them. I just thought they were going to be on the call. And he was like, no, that's not how yeah. this works. But like hearing yeah. that firsthand is the biggest compliment. And I think for, for us sure. internally, you know, we, we use gong and, uh, our, our reps will share snippets of call recordings when that stuff comes up. And, you know, when you don't know if it's working or not, or if you're on the right path, getting those snippets and hearing people who oftentimes never engage with your stuff. They're lurkers. That's like yeah. the motivation that we need to keep going. Like, Hey, you're on the right track. For keep sure. moving. Like, you know, you're doing your thing. That any positive comment, DM response to an email marketing campaign. I, I tell my team, there's probably another 10 people behind that, that didn't say anything, but feels the same way. Now, to keep it real, if someone shits on your marketing, there might be 10 people behind them that didn't like it as well. So you have to be honest with yourself, but yep. you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good way to kind of think about it. <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, well, great. I think we are running up here at time. This was one, very fun. Uh, two, uh, incredibly informative. I took a whole lot away from this, so I know other people will. And uh, three, good, good. we're excited to have you speak at Demand coming up. And uh, I hate to say yeah. it, but this was the best guest episode that we've had so far. Well, first, and as you mentioned earlier, also worth. So I, it, it's, I'm, I hold both titles until the next person. Well, awesome. Thank you, my man. Uh, always appreciate talking to you and learning from you. Uh, we'll hopefully have you again soon further down the line to see if some of your takes uh, stand up uh, in time. But Sounds thanks good. for everybody listening. And uh, we'll see you next week on Demand Gen U. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.